This show is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky things that are best enjoyed after you see the movie. So any movie we talk about, we recommend you go see. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Oh the Horror, a podcast where we take a look at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the expert Rob Holmes. And I'm the newcomer Steve Allman. And today we are taking a look at the 1984 Wes Craven classic, A Nightmare on Elm Street, starring Heather Langenkamp and Robert England. And Johnny Depp, because this is his first film. A little baby 15-year-old Johnny Depp. Uh, Yeah. Way before he was a big piece of shit. <laughs> well, I mean, let's let's kind of talk about. Unless the, we the dwell times. on that, the better. Let's, but. Yeah, because let's let's think about the the film and the time that it was. Sure, sure, sure. It, it, no, no, no. I, no, no. I, I always think of it as something interesting, though, because when you look at the the two main. When we think of like the two head-to-head slashers, it's Freddy, it is Jason. And even though Jason is relegated to being a, a small bit part in the original Friday the 13th, Kevin Bacon, in his first major you know, role, is uh, killed off in that. So, yeah, weirdly, both very iconic and bi- big pivotal actors having their far- start on these big franchises. Yeah, and I think that's, that's kind of the cool parallel that you see between the two, because both... You know, despite whether people like them or not, um, I think everybody loves Kevin Bacon. But uh, on the other side of things, they are still making films and still doing very, very well and making uh, boatloads of money. Very true. And for 1984, I think the the idea of the sort of character based or like the uh, like the symbolic nature of the like character slasher or the supernatural slasher horror films. Uh, kind of like Halloween if we get into the later entries and uh, Jason far, far later in the canon. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, is bathing in like metaphysical and strange things because it's about dreams. It's about... And this, well, that was the thing. The slasher, the slasher genre was getting boring, right? So they've done everything. But, you know, when once Nightmare on Elm Street... No, I'm sorry. Once Friday the 13th came out, then it was just one after another after another of just generic slasher films trying to do everything um any anything that they could base it on like theme wise but they hadn't really gone supernatural and then yeah you get Wes Craven taking this off of I guess somewhat of a true story uh of some people who had oh man I don't I think it was people who had like immigrated over here and they were having trouble they were having these horrible nightmares and stuff and they swore something was coming to get them and then they died in their sleep so he had read some article about that somewhere and thought that was really interesting and then you know created what we have from there uh working with bob shea and new line cinemas and man this is another one of those films it's like it's like evil dead where when you realize what it took to make this film now this movie had a 1.8 million dollar budget but still that's for what they do in this film that is relatively low but apparently this was the movie that would make or break new line cinema this was going to be the thing that would take them and make them a legit you know film 
company or bankrupt. Um, and luckily, you know, it made 25, 25 and a half million in its, in its release. So it did very, very well um, and ended up being a hit. But this movie could have gone wrong in so many ways. So if people are interested in looking up that type of stuff on the history of it, there's The Nightmare Never Ends, which is a, a companion book that you can get. There's a ton of different things. But then there's also um, Never Sleep Again, which is a very, 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 very long documentary. How long are we talking, Rob? I mean, we're talking hours. We're talking like four or five hours Jesus. at least. Jesus, okay. Um, and then if you've, I have the box set of DVDs, and that kind of has the original box set that goes through everything and there's kind of like a nightmare on elm street encyclopedia at the end that goes through makings of stuff there's a lot that, that's in this so if you really want to dig deep the, there's there's a ton yeah the, it's a well it, runneth a plenty you are right you're not going to be want for for any knowledge on that you know? Th this movie feels like there's a lot of different wheels turning especially behind the scenes i could already feel that like there was a lot of creative energy that brought a lot of the conceptual things to screen because nobody had thought like this about working in sort of dream logic with a typical slasher film because it makes its way for a lot of crazy set pieces and you kind of have free reign to do whatever you want whatever crazy fun image that you have because you know there's dream logic you can do what anything you want yes um, now and now there's there's a yes and a no to that um as far as thinking outside the box. Now, there's a lot of creative stuff in this, but as we know in some of the sequels, uh, let's say especially Rennie Harlan's take on Nightmare on Elm Street with Part 4, it can go very dreamlike. It can be very over-the-top. It can be ridiculous. I feel like in this film, these dreams are, are, are much more contained because for, for everybody involved in them, it, it feels like reality. I feel like we, we don't end up in the fantastical yet in this, but we definitely end up in the psychological. So I feel like it's more of you in the main dream state when you analyze dreams. Sometimes you are in one place, you turn, you're in another place, and it just seems normal. Because in your dream mind, yeah, that, that's, that's okay. You're not thinking about it logically, and I think that's what works really well in this film. Yeah, because it allows even for some kind of mistakes or some things that ultimately don't make sense because, yes. oh, you can kind of throw it on the dreamlike nature of this entire film. Uh, that being said, it still does make quite a bit of sense, and there's not there's not really too much like to scratch my head over because I kind of arrested myself to thinking that, like, oh, it's okay, so this is supposed to be this otherworldly type of vibe throughout the whole movie, even when we're clearly in the real world or in the woken world there's some interesting parts in this film yes there's some really, i will like especially in the beginning our, our introduction to fred krueger freddy you know we see him in the beginning he's making the glove i i really like the way they do that with a smaller almost like a picture in picture and and you get the title credits going underneath it as it's going it's a very stylistic and throwbacky kind of even for mm -hmm. this time. It's it almost harkens back to like the seventies or it, even it the sixties. It feels kind of grindhouse-ish and gritty, mainly due to the fact that it everything you're seeing on there is meant to be dirty, like a boiler room. So having your titles kind of open that way really makes it effective to kind of know what you're getting into. 
but then you know you're thrown for a loop because in this film we are I guess before I get into the some of the Freddy stuff we're introduced to Tina who we think you know if we're going off of basic slashers in the 80s we think that she is going to be our final girl now the trailer has said and the poster is put on there kind of spoiling in advance i guess you know if nancy doesn't wake up screaming she's not gonna wake up or whatever yeah so we're dealing with nancy okay big hint there um and so we're like oh okay well it's gonna be nancy Mm. but there's tina but if no one's seen the trailer if no one's seen that you think just going into it that it's gonna be her right and to kind of throw the wrench in it immediately and have her basically start doing everything you're not supposed to do in a horror film. Like, boom, she breaks one of the main rules. She's going to have sex. You know she's dead then. And then you have pure Nancy who's like, no, you know, I don't want to do that. And you're like, oh, okay, this is going to be our main character. Like, right then, you know. Like, the second that happens, you're like, all right, cool. This is who we're going to go after. But if you don't know the basic... If you've never seen horror films and this is your introduction to it, you might keep thinking that it's Tina up until the moment um, where where Tina Tina has a bad time. Yeah, know? well, and, they, we, and that's uh, the thing we spend a lot of time with Tina in the beginning because it like a lot of the things that are introduced to us, like this group of kids, all of the sort of things that are going on in their lives, and uh, even a, a small part of like how, the logic of how Freddy operates. Uh, how this, how this, thi- like, we start a big thing of like, oh, it's in the dreams, and nobody can tell who it is, and that kid gets blamed for murder. Like, he's, it's a, it's a big, big intro to just not, to just disregard this main character it's, or who I mean, we think it is. Yeah, it's crazy, and there's a, it's such a interesting mystery thriller. You have John Saxon, who we remember from Black Christmas, so we know it's going to be good. Because John Saxon is awesome, and if he is pretty much anything he's in, I'm totally down for. This uh, is, again, one of those movies that is very much aware of the cast that it has from other like alumni of the horror genre. It's, it's a really great cast. Yeah, it's... Well, yeah, yeah. For the most part, it's a really great cast. Um... No, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of really uh, fun stuff in this too, and actually there's there's an interesting thing. This is weird that we're doing these back to back with this and Evil Dead, but in the Evil Dead you'll see the Freddy um, or Hills Have Eyes poster and stuff, uh, which is a Wes Craven film. And in this, yeah, and in this uh, when Nancy is watching TV, it's uh, it's Evil Dead playing with the audio just random audio playing over scenes that don't relate at all but it's cool to see that there's this throwback and then in evil dead 2 i think as he's moving through the cellar there's freddy's glove hanging there so it was this cool like throwback nod to each other just saying like hey you know i like your films and i like your stuff too like it's really you know it was a it was a fun thing about that but this movie, it gets to that thriller and mystery part, but it keeps just, like, pushing and just throwing in insane stuff. Because we've never seen this before, right? We've never seen... Uh, no, I'm, I'm kind of uh, surprised at how... At the line of tone that this movie balances on. Because I, it, my perception of the Freddy Krueger, like, sort of scene of films is that they're mm-hmm. more or less goofy. Like, they're kind of just absurd. Later on, yeah, I think that's that's kind of what he turns into it, when when Freddy. So so Freddy's the only slasher who I think he's the only one who really talks, right? He's the only one who actively will speak. 
And when you realize he can say these memorable lines and has quips, I mean, even in number two, it starts with, like, you're all my children now. And even in this one, it's I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Uh, there's a Or lot I am of, God, or this is God. Like, yeah, I'm this God. is God. Like, he's, By the way, he's wild. He, his introduction when he meets women, he ha- must really have a hard time because first thing, when he meets Tina, he cuts his fingers off. Then when he meets Nancy, he slashes his chest, and he's like, Ugh. that's not a good impression, man. That's like a guy who doesn't know how to talk to girls, so he just does something dumb and then just laughs and is like, Ugh. that's <laughs> Freddy. He, I mean, he that, yeah, that is doesn't, quite... That is it's, quite an apt comparison, but yeah. It's a weird introduction to the character. Um, and when you look at how he's become over time, it doesn't it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, because he is more quippy from what we have realized now. Right. But I but did like, like seeing him with the, the giant arms and like, you know, you get that stuff right away. Does it look fantastic? No, but is it cool and fun? Yes, it is. Exactly. And that's the kind of thing that is kind of at the heart of what Freddy is when he's as a character that he's kind of having his own fun with all of this because it's more about capturing their fear and that's what he funnels like that's what he channels his energy off of as we discover later in the film uh but it's it's a very interesting line where he can be absurd or out there and wild and weird and still feel like he's terrorizing people because of the amazing kind of effects that you see with gore and all of these great kills, really good kills. Um, I mean, it's interesting because when we're looking at the kills, so let's kind of go through them real quick. We have Tina. Sure. And not only does she slash in the chest, and I like the rotating room, by the way, also used in Break Into Electric Boogaloo for the dancing on the ceiling scene. (laughs) Um, The, The exact same room? design yeah, it's the exact same room man it's the exact oh, that's same crazy room. it's not even the same design it is they use the same room i think for the same set same everything that's the same crazy. set i don't know which one did it first i almost want to say break into did it first and then nightmare on elm street used it after but they got full utilization out of it because then they used it again for johnny depp's death which is filmed a bunch of different ways one where his body fully comes out intact but i like to think of it as the bed became um kind of a garbage disposal yeah that's what that's a good metaphor and then like it just it basically had a backflow and it just reverse pressure like in the goonies and it all just shot up through you know what i mean um yeah it's a it's a fantastic effect it's Uh, a great effect and you can tell that it is from the rotating room because as the room is tipping at one point the blood is pulled over to the side of the room and it has this strange it almost has like a Ghostbusteries like look, like a, a, a metaphysical. Yeah, and it still works. It's still it, whoa, it to- dude, it totally, it absolutely. Yeah, even for its inherent jankiness, when you're seeing what you're seeing, especially when she was like writhing up the wall and around and around the ceiling, like you know, it's a clearly a rotating room, but it's still like the effect and the angle that it's at. It's very low and in the corner, and he's like stuck in the corner with it, so you know exactly where it's supposed to be. It's a very, very in- ingenious way to show that. Well, I, I think, I, yeah, I mean, it, it looks good. I think the best way of showing it in the beginning, though, is when you had Tina being thrown around the room and up on the ceiling, and then you had Rod basically in the foreground. And it's just seeing him in this foreground while the room is being filmed, you know, in this rotating room. It's just so 
awesome. It's it just really makes the effect and drives it home. Uh, and so you believe it, and especially seeing the room and how everything is so stationary in, in Johnny Depp's room. Like Glenn's room is a hundred percent neat. It doesn't look like it's upside down and stuff is flowing from it. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, I, I, it was equally impressive to see a lot of the practical effects that were gotten into. Like the, I honestly, I really love the bathtub, the simple effect of just having the claw come out and then s- slip back in. And then she just gets pulled down underneath. Like it's a very simple effect, oh, but man. it messes That's... with your mind so much when you see that. How like think about think about now getting into a bathtub if it's like a bubble bath type thing and then you're sitting there and if someone does that's the first thing I would think of is this movie because you, they're being pulled into darkness and you don't know how big that abyss is that he she's being pulled into it looks like it, it looks like it could go on forever and it's that's a terrifying moment because you don't know we don't really know anything about him and he's not Freddy in this one really he's Fred Krueger. More than anything, he even that's that's what they call him. That is pretty much what's in everything. And then Freddy becomes the major player later on, especially when the second one is called A Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two: Freddy's Revenge. Yes, and I'd like to actually get to talking about uh, the rules, quote unquote, that this movie kind of sets up for Freddy. Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. In- the, the sort of discovery because it's rules, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it is because again they are they do feel very loose because the idea of you know taking energy from dreams and all that stuff it's kind of out there and bonkers. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially yeah, at the end, the end is a little like, what are you guys doing? Right, have an and ending. Yeah, it, it was, it, but like in a weird way, it's st- like I'm willing to kind of still forgive it because they wanted to go for something that was more out there than most, um, and. I, I still am willing to not even so much forgive it, but like I give it a pass because of how out there and ambitious it is because it is very high concept and you can't really bring that back around to like, all right, how do we solve this in a more mind over matter type of uh, battle, so to speak. And then I, I, again, I know sort of the history of how absurd Freddy's rules get. And this is by far the closest it's been to reasonable. I think we'll say. Yeah, no, 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 no. This, this is like so. So everything in this, I think, for the most part, works. Um, as far as the dream logic, you can pull people out of dreams or pull things out of dreams. I like how that's introduced to it uh, in in this film. I like that you know anything that's happening to you, we get the introduction of anything that happens to you, you get killed. You know, like it happens to you in real life. So um, then it, it it's it's the it's the end, though. The whole right. thing... It, it, with, when it comes to defeating him, it is... Well, not just defeating him, but first off, she sets him on fire, which was cool, and then seeing that he went through the kitchen, so you get that walk yeah. around scene. And I really loved that. I thought that moment was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a stuntman, by the way. Holy shit. Yeah. And then we get to, to Marge, Ronnie Blakely, and mm-hmm. honestly, this this is... Every time I watch this, I'm like, what what the hell? Like, I don't think it's a good performance at all. I think it's absolutely absurd. I know she's supposed to play an alcoholic mother, but oh man, it is the most over-the-top performance. It's, uh, yeah, I'd say it's a little cartoonish to be generous, it's, if I could say. It's absolutely absurd. It is absolutely, it doesn't make any sense. But 
then all of a sudden the bars end up on in the house. Like she, she ends up putting bars on the house in, I guess a morning. I don't know how. And then is just completely shit faced by the afternoon. Um, but then we have her death, I guess, where Freddie decides he's going to jump on top of her and burn her up. And I'm like, this is a cool scene. And John Saxon comes in, doesn't seem too shocked by any of this, of seeing, you know, Freddie on his wife um, on fire, pulls the thing away, and it's just her skeleton, this weird-looking skeleton floating over a bed that has a hole in it, and it just kind of goes into this mist, and then the bed reforms. It's it's weird. I don't, and John Saxon is just kind of like, oh, this is weird. This is strange. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go down, you know, he, he doesn't seem to react to this properly at all. And it doesn't even seem like he's in shock. It just seems off. Something doesn't seem right. I do like afterwards, you know, the, the attack type, through the mirror situation. Um, right. And, and again, then, I think it's, I think it's, the, they were throwing a lot at the wall here. Uh, yeah. For, some of it for works, some, stuff, some of it doesn't. Yeah, but again, I kind of give them props for trying new stuff because right, I right. know for a fact that we haven't seen stuff like this and they wanted to go as ambitious and as out there as they could. Um, some of it just looks off. Well, the I don't believe in you, I don't give you power just seems like a lackluster moment. Yeah, and he just like, kind of shrinks into a ball of stardust. Like, I don't really know. He He, like, goes to attack her, but then fades out of existence because she refuses to give him power yeah she's like no i don't i don't like you i don't i don't acknowledge you basically it was like taking your ball and going home she was just like i don't want to play anymore we're done and he just disappears i kind of i kind of get in a weird way because it's again it's that mind over matter like he feeds off the the fear of you and it's it's what give makes him stronger i get it i feel like they could have illustrated that a bit better uh, but only only so much better i i don't know it's a like again i was fine with the way that it ended but it's they could for all the good that they had started and front loaded with this movie they could have brought it home in a bit better of a way also by the way nancy is amazing at preparation she gets those light bulbs filled with gunpowder and gets oh so cool sledgehammer she gets it all rigged in 10 minutes because she tells her dad come back in 20 minutes she sets the sleep timer for 10 minutes which means she had 10 minutes to rig up all of that have that conversation with her mother and do everything she is she must be magic that coffee that coffee is like determined that must be epic speed because we were watching her do that and it looked like it probably took a while to do uh so so things like that i would like to call slight bullshit on but whatever <laughs> i mean that's fine uh, you can call bullshit and, but like. I, I do like i do like some of the stuff that happens it's basically home alone before home alone existed um chris columbus you can thank wes craven for that sure in a in a very odd way <laughs> The sledgehammer coming down when the door opens, all it all just seems, even the stairs that Freddy turns into gunk as she's walking up the stairs and gets stuck in them, that seems like something that you'd have out of Home Alone too. Even Very though it's true. Not, even though it's not um, a trap, but it's a trap that she has fallen into laid by him. So it's almost, this almost seems like it could be a prototype for Home Alone or any of those type of invasion things. Even, even a movie like... Uh, 
Well, even a movie with traps like Saw or something. Well, that's See, well here, here's but the, whatever, he, you know. <laughs> here's my thoughts on Freddy and how his sort of fear is now, like, the, the scariness of him starts to fall apart as the movie breaks him down. It's because... Oh, man, like, it totally you have this, falls apart. You have this awesome power of manipulating and controlling people's dreams, people in their most vulnerable state, and all you need to do to be defeated in a buffoonish and cartoonish way is just for people to be like, well, I'm going to do this. And it's a, it's an interesting thing where like you have that kind of lucid dreaming where you can kind of control the dream in a weird way. It's I feel like those things keep getting slightly explained or slightly explained to the point of being either believable or uh, like you could go with it. I just I can't go with it enough because they're just like, oh, well, this is happening now. So clearly we can just do it. And if the movie took it even itself just a little bit more seriously, this would have been uh, like a great kind of running home, you could say. Yeah. And well, I mean, look, even at the ending, when they pull Ronnie Blakely through the window, it just looks goofy. And that's pretty much the final shot of the film where there's a lot of there's there's a lot of really goofy stuff in this movie. Um, and I think, you know, it was so different, though, and, and it made Freddy so iconic as a character that not even part two could derail this series. Um, because part two has been, most people skip over that. Apparently they go straight to three. Um, just because it is a strange, I don't know. Part two has some really cool moments in it. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've been told that three was the more of like the, like the epic. Yo, no, no, no. Three, three, Three starts getting where you want it to go with Dream Warriors, and it's a lot of fun. Two has your only real main, your I'm sorry, your only male protagonist of the main series. It's it's cool at moments. Like there's some really cool stuff, especially with um, when Jesse, when Freddy like pulls himself out of Jesse at one point. It's it's cool. There's some awesome stuff. But when it comes down to you want bigger and better kills. A lot of it is kind of just, eh, you know, yeah. it, it wasn't what, what we really wanted out of it. And it actually ended up being, so this film, Jack Shoulder directed it, and it, you, you know, it's in the documentary. His that, name is um, Jack Shoulder. <laughs> yeah, 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 he did a bunch of horror stuff. He made this film, and then people, uh, the gay community was like, thank you for making a horror film about a character dealing with coming out. Um, to his family and that's more of what Freddy is in this it it literally I mean if you watch this film with that lens to a T man to a T it's about a teen who is dealing with his sexuality a girl likes him and he struggles to deal with it while he has it seems like he has feelings for uh this guy who is on who like kind of bullies him at school but at the same time is kind of his friend there's this weird there's this weird like dynamic between them and it you think then he becomes this killer because of it it's like he's like there's someone inside me that needs to come out it's a it's so weird that 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 is how the film turned out when that was not the intention of the filmmaker to begin with um but it ties together really well so it's like if someone were ever like hey i wish someone would make uh a gay nightmare on elm street yeah man they did it's part two and that's even even the main character, the guy who played Jesse, is like, yup, and it's cool. And, like, he's, I mean, it's iconic now. 
But at the time, I think people were just kind of like, eh, this isn't what we wanted from Freddy. It's a little, it didn't have as big of kills as we wanted. And then we got part three. And holy shit, man. They went full on dreams. They made Freddy like, this is where the quips started. This is where Freddy starts going and making a bunch of jokes. This is very... This is how we remember Freddy. It started with part three. Part four is where it starts getting real goofy. And some of the coolest kills... I mean, you have the cockroach scene, which I think is the greatest kill in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. And um, that's a, It's an interesting moment that you bring up because it, through one, two, and three, it seems... Uh, these big franchises now, it takes a, it like this seems to be the one that had the most legs before it started to go off the rails in a weird way because we talk about Friday the Thirteenth and how that kind of got like worse quicker, and uh, Halloween was rocky and touch and go from almost two onwards, uh, and it, it's more that like the more ambitious that this series seems to get uh, to a degree, then it starts to fall apart. Well, so 4, I think, was kind of where it... it I, I love 4. I know some people love 3 more than 4. Some people hate 4. I don't know why. I think 4 is great. Um, 5, when we get to the Dream Child, is where I hated it growing up. I like it more now. But if you're expecting a high kill count, especially after 4, no, you're not getting that at all. You have way more survivors than you normally have in a Nightmare on Elm Street film, and it just doesn't seem as a whole to work. Then you get to Freddy's Dead, and it makes the Dream Child look really good in retrospect, because I I don't like Freddy's Dead. I know there's some people who swear by it. I've tried, man, and there's a couple of moments that I find to be fun. I don't like it. I really don't. It is, to me, it's it's where the whole series fell apart completely, especially at the end. It just got gimmicky and cheesy. Uh, and then Wes Craven came back like three years later and did New Nightmare. I think New Nightmare is solid. Um, the effects, because, you know, they started doing more blue screen. Actually, you know, a lot of the effects when they go, they started doing more blue screen uh, starting in three, uh, the effects kind of get weird. But especially in New Nightmare... They don't really hold up. It's a low body count, but it works better than in five because it's it's a very very meta horror film. Like this was his testing of meta horror film or meta right before he ended up doing Scream. Like it is it's the movie about Heather Langenkamp playing Heather Langenkamp dealing with the backlash of playing Nancy and Robert England's in it, Wes Craven's in it playing himself. It's awesome. Like what it's like. What if Freddy were real? and did appear like a like a tulpa you know what i mean it's like if you believe in it enough will it actually exist uh we get freddy vs jason after that and then which i didn't like it was direct it was directed by ronnie Yu, and you know i i just don't i just don't think he fits with that type of stuff and then the remake which i i hate i hate more than i think that that in the thing prequel they came out in 2011, or I think are the two that I hate more than any of them. They are just complete and utter... I have no use for them whatsoever. Which was interesting, because uh, in the time that it took for that remake to happen, uh, I was actually kind of interested in breaking apart how you do Freddy in a modern day. And I think the only kind of interesting conceptual thing that that movie started to talk about was like the ascent was basically micro naps and how you could have these quick little interesting dreams that were only like maybe a minute long 
And that to me was like, oh, wow, that would be really cool. And it was really bad. <laughs> yeah, it was just uh, this. They, they tried to go super dark, super gritty. It was a music video director making this. It didn't work. You know, they made it a mystery of did he really do it or did he not? We know he did it. And don't CG his face. Look, if Overlord can do practical effects for that and it looks that damn good where people are like, I think it might be CG. No, it's practical effects. They just made the face look like it had disappeared. Do and that was last Freddy. year. That yeah, was last year they did that. And don't don't CG Freddy's face, man. Don't look make him look like uh he, he looks like Voldemort, man. Yeah, it's it's not like it's not if good. Voldemort and Gollum had a baby or something. I don't know. It, it's bad. <laughs> it's not good. It, it just was it didn't work for me at all. Terrible CG. I mean, atrocious, especially that final scene uh, where he spikes the mom through the eyes. And it's just, I mean, that's like midnight meat train levels of bad CG. Yeah, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't vibing with that even back in the day when I was susceptible to not that great of movies. Yeah, but, uh, you know, the original the original Nightmare on Elm Street, it's a classic. You have to kind of see it, especially if you're a fan of Wes Craven. I mean, he was... The stuff he put out wasn't always the most polished, I guess, but damn, it's good. It's good stuff, and it just right. shows he has a lot of heart, and he's willing to put it out there one way or another. He's going to get what he wants out there, and, and I think that that's where he should I, really I appreciate that. And I think he should really be in, uh, uh, proud of the fact that he's he's a very ambitious director during his time. Like again, he made all of those other classics back in the day that uh, I don't feel like get enough shine because I feel like John Carpenter kind of has been kind of the king of those thrillers of the 80s. And I feel more lately, though, because, you know, even even Carpenter never really got his due in the main Hollywood industry. I mean, a little exactly. Bit and and now as we're looking know, back at those like... things, we can see that like both of these guys were really ahead of their time, even though that those movies may or may not work on the biggest of levels i think nightmare on elm street has probably been one of the more classically received uh of any of of these horror franchises even halloween because we have more legs for better or for worse from no, freddy yeah, than you're, you're than getting you're getting into the you're getting into the psychological you're getting into a lot more you're getting into dreams and you know it, that's that's where it takes it to another level you know it, it becomes more of an intellectual type film a think piece type film if you want to break it down into that you could teach an entire course about the state of dreams and nightmare on elm street uh, you know you could teach a course on slashers as well um but you you would probably talk about multiple slasher films to do that you wouldn't just pick one franchise with nightmare on elm street because it is so we know it if it's dealing with like a dream demon it's probably freddy krueger it most likely will be well uh, I think that could be a pretty good place to wrap it up. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I, again, this is a thorough recommendation because so, solely because of the awesome visual elements and uh, like historical significance of like kind of putting a good shot in the arm into the slasher genre for you know what was it getting into the be the the long in the tooth for both Halloween and Jason at this point. Oh, I mean, it was kind of the end of what we knew as the traditional slasher genre and enter the supernatural slasher genre. Yeah. So that was the beginning of that, which was, I, I had a lot of fun in the late 80s with that stuff. So Exactly. I, I, I had a lot of fun with this movie, and uh, you, you most likely should too. Yeah, absolutely. That's a solid recommend for me. Well, that is going to do it for this week. Rob, what are we going to do next week? So we're going to take a look at American Psycho. 
Yeah. Man, I, I is it? It's really bad that I haven't seen this movie yet. It's probably. I'm sorry. Bad what? Seen whoa, whoa, whoa! I've never whoa, seen it. Whoa! Never seen it. I'm the newbie. Man. Oh yeah. Ooh, you've never seen American Psycho. I did not. Never seen I was American very Psycho. Very unaware of this. Mm-hmm. Cool man. I'm very much the newbie. And have you have you read the book? No, I have not. Oh wow, you're going into this. Whew. Cool. Well, um, yeah. I'm I'm very interested because a lot of these this was this was one of those movies that like everybody like pimps up to you in, at like college and stuff along with like Fight Club and uh, Boondock Saints and all that stuff. So I was kind of like poo pooing that like already because of just the you yeah, know I those think, anno- I think like American they're like Psycho Dave Matthews fans. I'm sure. American Psycho holds up better than both of those, I think. Uh, yeah, um, but but like you yeah. know, where like the cultural osmosis of hearing people talk about a movie makes you kind of not want to see it, only because you're like, oh, okay, people talk about that movie again. All right, no, you want to you want to see this? I well, I'm gonna have to now, and yeah, you're uh, have to. I'll see I'll see Christian Bale flexing in that mirror. That's for sure. It's it's a cool film. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's gonna do it for us this week. Um, you can find us online at ohthehorrorcast.com. You can find us any place that you download your podcasts at, and on social media. Most of our tags are at ohthehorrorcast. There are some that are not. You guys will figure it out. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, thanks again so much for listening, and until next time, I'm Steve Allman, and I've been Rob Holmes. We'll talk to you soon. Time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk.